Welcome to Get This Shit, the bi-monthly podcast that answers the questions you've always had, but forgot to ask. Prepare your earballs. I'm joined here with a guest co-host, Sam. Bienvenidos. Hello and welcome. Oh my God. <laughs> to homestarrana.net. It's, it's dot, dot com. com. <laughs> I love it. If uh, if you're old like us, you fucking get it. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a dated reference for sure. Faux show. Look it up though. It's on the uh the youtube yeah it's all on youtube now homestar runner was a very popular thing when we were but we teenagers yes uh in the computer labs mm-hmm. <laughs> they started using firewalls and shit like that and we could guess the different ways around that oh yeah for the sure the ip IP blockers or whatever. I can't remember yeah. what they were, but yeah, I mean, basically, you it just went around the entire class and we were like, sweet, <laughs> sweet, sweet. To Homestar Runner. <laughs> yeah, one of my classmates for his senior computer program, uh, the teacher was like, yeah, uh, you have a semester to uh, develop an operating system like Windows or... Holy shit. Or... Uh, yeah, iOS or Linux or whatever. Yeah, uh, he designed one from scratch within the first nine weeks. <laughs> nine weeks. Yeah, he was a bit of a of a advanced type of person in that in that field. Nerd. But uh, yeah, we had quite a few computer savvy people. So anything that uh, they tried to put in place to keep us off certain stuff. I mean, no, no one was looking up porn. Uh, you know, in this school computer lab or anything like that, but I hope not. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like we whatever, all, yeah, but yeah, ew. we kept it pretty tame. But yeah, we didn't keep it on task at all times. Either, yeah, we so. watched Happy Tree Friends as well. Yeah, I remember Happy Tree Friends. Yeah, yep. Hansy the No Hands Beaver. <laughs> My Loved favorite. Him. My favorite was Flippy, the uh, oh my gosh. PTSD squirrel. Yes, yes, I remember Flippy. So, Sam, have you been up to anything fun? Uh, not a whole lot, other than uh, this past weekend, us going down to Franklin to their little vintage fest. Yeah. That was super fun. Yeah, a little uh, staycation, but it was yeah. far enough away from our home that we... Uh, had some good fun and I uh, uh, I got this amazing bag. Sam got it for me actually. <laughs> and uh you guys will have to wait later for the uh big reveal of where you can get the bag from because they do have an online presence. Yeah, it was there was a lot of cool vendors, a lot of cool uh just booths and products. They have. They actually have quite a few like antique stores down there. So if you ever in yeah, they do Southern Indiana. For uh, some reason. <laughs> well, to be fair, there's a lot of small towns in Indiana that have some decent antique stores. 
because Indiana is a fucking antique. <laughs> yeah, they're just pulling shit out of their garage. <laughs> no, yeah, yes, that's exactly it. But I mean, there was also like some cool like people who did like woodcrafts. Yeah. Uh, so there were some people who did like checkered and marbled wood uh, for like bowls and or uh, uh, cutting boards and and what yeah, have you. Yeah, it was like, super cool stuff that takes lawn a lot. Ornaments. Of, <laughs> yeah, like stuff that takes a lot of skill and a lot of uh, time and effort to make. So it was it was yeah. cool to see some of those as well. There was some really cute kind of off color needleprint. Or wait, not needleprint, but um, oh god, needlepoint. Thank you. <laughs> uh, needlepoint, and uh, this girl had like the jaw shark mm-hmm. looking like it was jumping out of water, but it had that wreath of flowers underneath of it. That was really uh, cute. <laughs> A ton of different things, and then she also made butt pots. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was. They were. It's just like a female. Or more feminine form pot that has a butt on it. Yep. Yep. For like, I'm assuming like little succulent plants or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to get myself a butt pot. (laughs) An ass pot. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. What else? What else? Um, We we told you guys we got our new cap. Mm, Yes, we sure did. Sir William. Yes. Uh, he's doing really well. Yeah. We set him up in his own room for a little bit, and, uh, then he was hiding underneath the bed for a while, so, like, I mean, days on end, and it took probably four or five days for him to really get comfortable in that situation. Yeah. Like, the first couple days, he was only eating... And drinking like just a little bit, but it was Bare around mins, day like three man. or yeah, day around three or four. He was like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yes, it was really cute. And so then we, then we put the bed on the ground so that way he didn't have such a huge space to hide under yes. and just stay under there the whole time. And we put a new cat tree in the room, mm-hmm. and so yeah, as soon as we did that, he was out and about, and we did that yeah. for couple more days and then we opened up the door let him meet Nicholas and they hit it off right right along yeah man from the beginning and so now we just leave the door open he can roam around but he still has a safe room and yeah he's still a scaredy cat when it comes to uh, other things in the house but he's been coming more and more out into the kitchen and the living room and uh, he's been downstairs, so yeah, yeah. yeah he's afraid of ceiling fans. <laughs> yeah, he right. yeah he doesn't know all about that yet, so we'll have to get him used to that. But he's really really sweet, mm-hmm. and I came home to them uh, on the fucking cat tree together. Right. Yeah. So they're chilling. They're browing down, man. Right. And Mick, he even let Mick on the tallest part of the cat tree and him on the yeah. second tallest. Yeah. Yeah. If I know my Jackson Galaxy at all, it means oh God, that he yes. is getting more comfortable with uh, Mick being there as well. Yes, so. I would have to agree. And the way that Mick chose to get down as well, like it was just all asshole and tail in his fucking face. <laughs> and the kid didn't move. He was like, eh, whatever, man. It's like, wow. All right. 
cool beans. Oh my god. You you need to talk about this because I fell asleep. We watched this insane Nick Cage movie. Okay, yes. This is, I mean, I'm all for B minus C rated movies. 110%, like bad, bad movies. But this, yeah, this one was uh, very interesting. Uh, I think it's called like Escape from Ghostland or something like that. Yes. So Nick Cage is a bank robber who then is contracted by the local quote-unquote governor of this... Yeah, Kentucky Fried Colonel motherfucker. Yeah, but it's weird. It's set... uh, You find out at the end of the movie that apparently the place is called Samurai Town. Oh, wow, Uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, literally like the last line of the movie is Nick Cage going, I think in enough time, Samurai Town might be a beautiful place to live in. What the <laughs> fuck? It's like someone forgot to fill it in. Right, yeah. And so it was just like mm-hmm. brackets. So now he's got to go get the governor, quote-unquote governor's, quote-unquote granddaughter. Oh, oh yeah. It did not seem like a granddaughter situation. It's, 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 I was awake for that much. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> um, So because he has another granddaughter who neither of them look anything like him and they have a weird... Let's just call it weird relationship. They're not well. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, he's commissioned to go get her, and then he's put in leather pants and a leather jacket Mm -hmm. that have a nodule on each arm and uh, two nodules where the collar comes together at the top of the leather jacket, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then a nodule on each one of his balls, and he (laughs) comes to find out that those nodules are explosives. So if he deviates from the mission, uh, tries to take the jacket off... If he has uh, impure thoughts about a woman, then one of the testicle ones will go off. Yeah, apparently can tell. Yes, yeah. And the and if he has the urge to strike a woman, then uh, one of the arm ones will go off. So. <laughs> I just, like, what is, is he in, was he in jail for slapping hoes? Like, what? what? I, he just, what is he uh, in jail well, for? Like, a notori- are you a notorious her of women? Maybe he knows he has a very slappable granddaughter. I don't know. Oh, well, I don't. Maybe, this maybe. was a weird. So then he. So she's been apparently kidnapped by these people that are so called ghosts. And ah. then he wanders into this weird ghost town. Uh, but like the people don't look like ghosts, but like. Sure. Tr- it's weird. They're uh, ghosts. It reminds me of another. Japanese film called Sukiyaki Western Django that uh I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's one that Quentin Tarantino like put helped put his name on to like because he liked it and mm. helped help get it more viewership or whatever. But sure. Yeah. Uh not to sound like crass or uh, ignorant, but for Americans there are just some things and Asian culture that just come off as weird. Like, 
And this was one of those weird movies that sure just can't put your finger on it. You don't understand any of the references. I'm sure that a no. lot more of it makes sense to a more international audience, but sure. it's still probably a shitty movie. But <laughs> like, yeah. it might make more sense. There was some symbolism and metaphors in there that I could see that they were trying to piece together. Sure. It, uh, but yeah, it was just. It was a a tax money movie. It was a ride. Yeah, Nick Cage was brought in because of his name. Like, they didn't write for him. Like, he yelled most of his lines. Yeah, and, like, he only had a a few lines during the movie. Yeah, I mean, in the middle, he he had more while you were asleep, but, like, it was... Oh, I was going off of a another film critics. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, it was just it was fucking weird, man. <laughs> yeah, like the weird the scene that I saw that I can't get over is he is thrown these keys to some nice car and he fucking Nick Cage jumps in there and he's like, ah, get in the fuck out of here. And he spins his tires like around, gets ready. And then gets out of the car, starts running, grabs a bicycle, yeah. and starts to awkwardly pedal <laughs> out. And it's it doesn't break. Like no, it yeah. makes you suffer for the full 90 seconds yeah. of him like attempting to relearn how to ride a bike yeah he's uh yeah he's he's not falling down or anything but it's definitely <laughs> clunky like it <laughs> like it looks, he like, looks Char- like a toy soldier yeah it looks like charles barkley's golf swing oh my god <laughs> i hate you that's so funny Nick Cage riding a bike it's bro uh, it it's rough but that's not the weirdest thing so then he's out in the in the Desert-y desert yeah. thing? Yeah, because, okay, out in the desert, and then a samurai from apparently Samurai Town. Yes. <laughs> who's like the right-hand man to Colonel Chicken Bucket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. Um, drives the nice car out to Nick Cage, gets out of the car, and Nick Cage is like, like stops on his bike and the guy just throws the keys at Nick Cage. Nick Cage jumps in the car and leaves. Yep. And like I'm not making any I of didn't that miss, up. Or and I didn't miss anything either, right? Like yeah, there like there's more like different facial expressions going back oh, and forth. Yeah, for sure. Not, They're talking which is, eyebrows. Yes, right? they are talking between their eyebrows. But yeah. Nope, yep, you're right. That's It's just like, come on, man. And, and he's Nick like, Cage, I mean, all right. Yeah, Nick Cage is like, I guess I don't have time to fuck around, <laughs> essentially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the whole thing. Yeah, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Don't watch it unless you really, I mean, it's like beyond shitty. Like, yes. I would watch Sharknado bef- again before. I would watch a couple of the Sharknados yeah, before. <laughs> before watching that one again. Yeah. I do want to see the one where he's playing Nick Cage. We should talk to our friend Isaac, uh, who also has a podcast called yes. BS Reactor, yes. and see if they'd be willing to do an episode on it because... Holy shit. I'm sure it'd be great. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we... 
yes, we need to tell him immediately. <laughs> oh my God. So I fucking dumb shit's as bad as that fucking Nick Cage movie. Fuck. Fuck you. Supreme Court justice. Yeah. Go fuck yourselves. I, yeah. uh, uh, women's rights are human rights. In this fucking podcast tempo. <laughs> um, uh, so sorry to everyone, to anyone who's affected. Uh, I'm really sorry. And I, I'm really sorry if anyone is scared. I am scared. It's this possible more like imminent turnover of Roe versus Wade and the subsequent cases is really scary. Yeah. And for it's sure. And it's really scary on a, a couple of different levels. And I'm sure that there are even more that we haven't come across yet. I haven't come across yet. But here at GTS, we will make sure that if we become aware of any factual, true resources, that we will share them. And we don't gatekeep, but we do girl boss over here or non Benny boss. You mm. can boy boss too. <laughs> B-O-I. Boy boss. <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, it sucks. Yeah, definitely sucks. This sucks. So we uh, at GTS will be letting you know what we are doing to help on our side what we can because uh, we're not safe. Yeah, it's definitely a problem that affects everybody. Yeah, for sure. And Sam and I were talking about it and I actually spoke to my mother about it too that like as much as I can feel affected by it, I I am nowhere near the type of person, demographic of person who is going to suffer the most. Yeah. Due to yeah. this overturning. And I'm I'm so sorry. We like I said, share resources as we find them and we'll be showing you guys what we're doing because uh, Sam and I have also been really conscious about um, companies who have been union busting lately mm -hmm. because that's not okay. Yeah. And two major ones are Starbucks and Amazon. They have been caught red-handed union busting, and there's really nothing being done right now yeah. as far as we have seen. So uh, Sam is a union man himself, and I we're we're a proud union household. Yeah, for sure. It has it's afforded us quite a bit, a lot of security, and um, yeah, yeah, unions are good. Well, I mean, at the same time, like as 
someone who's in a union who actually has taken the time to become educated on a lot of our history. Yeah. I understand people's mistrust and misgiving for unions between for everything sure. from, you know, the Teamsters to Tammany Hall to the Hard Hat Riot in 1970. We have given yeah. ourselves multiple, multiple black eyes. And and those are just the top three that I come to my head that I listed. Like, they're... Sure. There's a lot of things, but the problem is, is if you don't stand together with other workers, whether they're in your industry or not, then you're putting your faith in companies and corporations to take care of the people mm. who work for them. Yeah. And if you think that they're going to do that without any oversight, be it from the government, from unions or from public pressure people standing up you're fucking crazy they don't give a shit about you it's really apparent i mean i there's tiktok and instagram reels now makes it even more accessible to see the mistreatment of people everyone's seen a walmart clip where fucking employees are treated like trash whether it's by a customer by their management by literally the ceo Mm -hmm. you know yeah so do what you can do uh do what you want yeah because it is a free fucking country well for now anyway mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or so i've been told yeah i i personally free for some i was gonna say i always found it humorous when people who scream about america being the land of the free so goddamn much and we have the Highest per capita incarceration rate anywhere globally <sighs> ever. Yeah. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure the, at least one last time I looked at a statistic, the last, the second place was South Africa. <laughs> so that's a bar you want to shoot for. Wow. I said ever in that last, probably not ever. I think Australia when it first started. Probably. Sure, sure. <laughs> Australia back in the day. Yes. But, when, it, when it first became Australia. Yes, back when it was Botany Bay, yes. Botany Bay. Yeah, well. But on that light, no. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll get through this shit. Uh, my co-worker uh, got to listen to me uh, scream probably about two mornings in a row on the way to work about oh. the impending overturn of Roe v. Wade. Yeah, uh, and he was like, "So you don't care about this issue at all?" <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I was I, like, "I just had to get it out." <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it'll be an interesting time, fam. Interesting time. Yeah. Well, speaking of shit, are you ready to uh, get some? I'm ready to get this shit. Shit on me, Cassie. Oh, Lord. All right. You know, I'm good in most senses, but in this one, I uh, I saw an interesting TikTok, but I <laughs> broke my phone uh, last week. You I sure think. did. Yeah. Broke my phone. It, um, fell out in a parking lot where semis traverse Mm -hmm. and uh, by the time I it fell out of my purse pocket that I always put it in by the time I realized I didn't have it I went to the parking lot 
to see if it was out there. And it most certainly was. And um, the case was fine. And the uh, camera was fine. It was facing down. And I was a bit hopeful for a moment, which was cruel. Um, <laughs> and then I picked it up and no, 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 no. It most certainly had been crushed by an 18-wheeler. So um, it was just... Oh, it felt like terrible timing, but you know, I didn't fucking, it was one of the things that I haven't freaked out about. And I was just like, well, good thing I've, we've got coverage on this bad boy Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, uh, it's fine. It'll be fine. And I have Apple, so fucking everybody already has my fucking information. So any who's all bees. I forgot to put down the tag, uh, the username for who started this little rabbit hole for me. Mm, mm-hmm. I Got- came back. I came back. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I came on. I came full circle, man. First cir- full circle. Yes. Can I add in that uh, even though your phone was smashed and demolished, it's oh, still. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> It's still for the next four days. The battery lasted long enough and the internals were apparently fine. It was just a screen that was completely demolished. I guess. Uh, but yeah, played your morning alarms for the next four days because we had left your old phone in my car <laughs> when I was so taking funny. it to work and they started going off. And it's the Mothman song. Yeah, and I couldn't turn it off except to hit the lock button, which just turns it on snooze because the screen is not operable. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I had to keep doing that. That's so funny. Uh, There's I've talked about it before in earlier episodes, but I her name is Pearl Girl or Pearl something. I'll tag her again. But she made this song about Mothman, and it's so funny. And she sings this little tune, and then uh, it says, and Mothman says to me. (laughs) Yes. And uh, that's my ringtone. So, like, in real places that goes off, which is hilarious. (laughs) And apparently it has been haunting Samuel. Mothman's been haunting Samuel. Yeah, which is crazy because Mothman is supposedly a harbinger of doom. So to hear that first thing in the morning is not necessarily comforting. (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, Speaking, fuck, oh my God. Speaking of uh, Mothman, uh, one of our uh, listeners... Sup, Robin. Hey, Robin. Uh, she sent me a picture the other day, and she said, this is because of you. And she had purchased a few stickers uh, and fucking <laughs> got a Mothham sticker purchased at the Gage H Designs that we had on our episode 20, Get That Shit. Yeah. Yeah, so make sure that you go and check out GageHDesigns.com and also visit them on Instagram again and get your Crypto Thickology stickers, <laughs> just like Robin. I was going to say, I think I was on that episode, too. I think yeah, I was, you sure were. I think that was my second episode on here. Yeah, yes, it sure was. Well, getting back to the shits. <laughs> okay. Ready? Yes. So... 
someone on TikTok had a really interesting video about the life cycle of a dandelion. Okay. And that got me thinking about life cycles of other things. Sure. So, uh, yeah, and recent events have had me thinking of life cycles as well. <laughs> so we just kind of threw it on in there. Sure. So I uh, was first going to tell you about a dandelion. Okay. Because I found it actually really interesting, and I was going to tell you a couple of dandelion facts. And then I have a couple more life cycle trivias for you. You got it. You ready? Yeah. All right. So dandelions, they start... As seedlings, mm-hmm. they grow and germinate through their growing season, which is about eight to 15 weeks. They produce a rosette of tiny leaves that mm-hmm. are that beautiful pale yellow green color. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they begin to grow Um their little stalks stock thank you oh my god yes uh so as it grows their edges become more jagged Mm -hmm. the mature dandelion plant grows about three to ten inches long Mm -hmm. and the roots are usually six to 18 inches under and throughout the ground yes they are one of the best soil aerator mm-hmm. plants to have a long field or your lawn but everybody hates them right stage three is when they flower during this stage of the dandelions life cycle that flower begins to bloom and it blooms from spring to fall right and the flower stem can grow Uh, About 12 inches. And the same plant can grow up to 12 flowers each season. Yeah. Yeah. Flower heads open and close based on weather conditions. Huh. Yeah. Um, Some flowers will measure up to two inches in diameter. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty big, right? Yeah. Yeah. So stage four is the seed. Each flower head can produce nearly 175 seeds. Mm -hmm. A single plant can produce over 2,000 seeds annually. Nice. Yeah. Each flower head stays open for a couple of days before closing and reopening again. Several days later to release their seeds. And their seeds are attached to their own helicopters. Mm Mm-hmm. And these are known as pappas. Didn't know the actual term for those. I know. I was like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) sad. But yeah, if they're in uh, a little bit of soil and a little bit of sun, they're definitely going to grow. Right. Yeah. Because like I know from trying to germinate like a couple different um, seeds, I think strawberries was one of them. But like for the first day, like or first few days, I think. You just make sure that the soil is damp and you put the seeds on top and like you leave them. Oh. Yeah. Like for, so for some plants, like you don't even bury, don't even bury the seeds. I truly didn't know that. I mean, like I've seen people grow avocados and stuff and you don't. Know what sure. Happened. 
But, yeah, I, I did not know that. So, some dandelion facts for you. Hit me. There are multiple different types of dandelions. Okay. The most common one is yellow. Sure. And I put the Latin name there. I don't know why. <laughs> I Why would I? There's an X in it. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> it means yellow forever flower because you can never get rid of them. Okay. Yellow flower, the undying in Latin. <laughs> Although this looks similar to the common dandelion, the red-seeded dandelion has a reddish stem and is native to Europe. However, it can be found in northern areas of North America. Mm. Yeah. Japanese white dandelions. Ooh. Yeah. They are native to South Japan and normally grow along roadsides and meadows just like ours. There you go. They have white petals with a yellow center. Oh, pretty. Pink dandelions. <laughs> they look similar to the common dandelion, but have a pastel pink bloom, which makes them very, very eye-catching. Hmm. Where are those? Asia. Central Asia. Figures. They get the best stuff. But they also <laughs> grow well as potted plants. Oh, cool. I'm going to have to get me some pink dandelions. <laughs> See if we couldn't germinate some here. Okay. Yeah. Throw them out there. Ooh, it would add to our flora and fauna of our yard, yes, which ma'am. were those white trash neighbors. Like we don't fucking we'll mow, mow our, our front, lawn. But yeah, we I, we mostly mow our front, and you know we mow our back when fucking time allows. But you know what? Save the bees, right? Yeah, because we do have a lot of dandelions, and we have a lot of clover in our backyard too, we which pow- which and it only grows love. like to three inches, so. Yeah. What the fuck ever? I don't like all the bees, but I mean, I'm I love bees, but I, as a a person, am terrified of them. So <laughs> I'm not into all of them, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. There is a Russian dandelion, Sam. Oh, yes, it grows in mountainous regions of Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. Nice. They have a similar look to. Uh, are common dandelions, but they are generally thicker and they have a gray hue. Oh, well, all right. Yeah. Their roots also have a high rubber content. Okay. Which makes them a great alternative for a source of rubber. And that's why they are sometimes referred to as rubber root. Huh. Who would have thought? I know, right? Uh, I am really excited to look up. I... Uh, Looked up a couple of the dandelions, but she's a working girl now, so she's been busy. (laughs) Uh, Health benefits of dandelions. If you did not know, dandelions originated in Europe, and they are believed to have been purposefully brought overseas on the Mayflower. Gotcha. They are packed with vitamins, um, and the vitamins are... Apparently, I didn't write down, but I definitely remember <laughs> them being at, at least a uh-huh. fucking, I read it, but sorry, that's not how we learn information over here. Fuck. <laughs> so, they're packed with vitamins, iron, and potassium. Cool. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I know people have talked about, like, 
dandelion salad, um, yeah, dandelion good. tea, and also dandelion wine as well. Yeah. It's I'm a, sure the wine has slightly fewer health benefits than the first yeah, two. I don't know what you're talking but. about. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it's a natural diuretic, and it is also linked to heart health. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And that's why fucking Roundup exists, because of Monsanto's. <laughs> Didn't... Like, wait, what do you mean? Like, why? Roundup was invented right around the time that a study came out about dandelions being a good source for um, heart health. And Monsanto's is the owner of Roundup, but they are also the owner of Bear aspirin, I believe. Oh God! <laughs> or okay. one yeah, of yeah. the leading heart health medications. Sure. Yeah. So Monsanto's owns Roundup that kills dandelions. Right. And dandelions. And their are, other product. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is something that is prescribed to take daily for to help prevent heart yes. attacks. Yes. If it is bear aspirin, uh, well, here let's fucking we can Google shit. We can Google shit on this show. So, yeah, like, Bear Aspirin and Monsanto, same company, question mark. I'm pretty sure Bear got its start in Germany. Bear? <laughs> yeah, I was right. Yeah, uh, well, it's not surprising because I'm pretty sure that Bear got its start in Germany and one of the things that they made was Zyklon B, so, you know. Oh. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> There's still a company. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. There's still a company. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. I mean, I, I could do a fucking tinfoil episode <laughs> with a couple of those different little things that I know and have found. I was going to. Yeah, you can do a tinfoil episode. And I was just thinking the other day, like, I've done some topics that involve, um, you know, some shitty things or stories that need to be told, but at the center of it, there's, like, good people involved. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't taken somebody and <laughs> and just shit all over them for a topic yet. Yeah. Someone who deserves to be shit on. So give them, that, the, give that, them the good old dollop treatment. Yeah. <laughs> Get this shit. He's a piece of shit. Literally. Yeah. Get this piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, we'll call it the shit shame light. <laughs> the shame light of shit. All right, are you ready to learn about some more life cycles? Sure. Alrighty. I'm going to talk to you about mites. Ew. Isn't like scabies? As in, oh buddy, apparently I didn't uh, put my sound out cheat on here. Uh-oh. So. <laughs> You're... <laughs> Ad actilidium okay. mite. Okay. So that's all we're getting. I'm not going to repeat it because my brain can't. <laughs> so this little mite. This little mite of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this mite, its offspring is born already pregnant. Ew. Yeah. A pregnant uh. mite 
What an existence. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> no. A pregnant... So you don't even get enjoy making the baby. It's just in you. Oh, yeah. No. It's not about that. Yeah. So sorry, Charlie. Ugh. A pregnant mite will carry a number of female mite larvae plus a single male. Mm-hmm. This male will mate with the females while inside the mother mite. I mean... Yeah, still gross, but the ratio sounds appealing to me. I uh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> oh my god! Then all of the larvae will eat the mother from the inside oh, out. Fucking course they do, and emerge pregnant and yeah. ready to start doing the whole process over again. Come on, that's just icky. I saw that it was said it's some sort of microscopic soap opera. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Disgusting, yo. Like, what type of life is that? The psychological trope is the devouring mother, not the devoured mother. That was a good one. Alrighty, are you mighty ready to move on to our next life cycle? Oh, you mean this isn't going to be all might? No. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, the next animal is the kangaroo. Okay. Alrighty. For starters, the the female kangaroo possesses three vaginas and two uteri. Hey, choices. That's what I say. Choices. Samuel's over here. He's uh, not going to turn it down, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hey, look, you got to test out each location. There you go. Two, uh, two of the vaginas <laughs> pass sperm into the uteri. Okay. While the other is used to give birth to the baby. Okay. Or a joey. Sure. Yes. Gestation is incredibly brief. Even the largest species only take up to 33 days. Well, I mean, they spend a lot of time in the pouch. Like, once they come out, they spend a lot of time in the pouch. You're absolutely right. So I feel like that kind of offsets it. Yes. Due to the gestation period being so quick... The Joey is still born tiny, blind, pink, and hairless. Just like me. Just just like Sam. And it's really described more as a blob Mm -hmm. than like even a pinky, you know, like from the store. Right. So like a blob. And then you kind of see where the little feetses are going to be. Gotcha. (laughs) So the baby... It tries to climb up into her pouch where it can be fed. So, like, it's not exactly like, like, it doesn't just happen. Right. Yeah. So, the mom helps it along. It crawls up and hops on in there. Right. Mm hmm. It stays there in the pouch and develops for another six months. Yeah. So, I mean, it's about the. Like, if you combine, like, the gestation and the time in the pouch, like, it's about the same amount of time as, like, most mammals. 
Sure. Yeah, man, yeah. yeah. Or most mammals are size (laughs) incomparable. Yeah, yeah. So while that Joey is in uh, mom's pouch, she can still become pregnant with another Joey. Sure. Well, that's probably why the gestational time is so short. Yeah, and she got two uteri, yo. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, she's actually able to freeze the embryo embryo in kind of like a form of suspended animation until conditions for birth are ideal. Huh. Fucking nuts. Crazy. I wish that I could control anything in my body that well. <laughs> I can't even control my mouth. Well, you can through the power of positive thinking and transcendental meditation. Oh, my God. And Christ Almighty. (laughs) 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 All right. Are you ready for the next one? Yeah. So I just went down a rabbit hole after this. So sorry. Uh, Cicadas. Yes. Yeah. Nasty little buggers. Yeah, they're fine. Here in Indiana, they're fucking gross. Like, they're always around. They're not pretty, but... Fuck no, they're not. I fucking... My eyeballs... But I've never had one, like, bother me, though, at the same time. physically bother me. Emotionally, (laughs) spiritually, (laughs) audibly. Yeah. They have disturbed me. Are you downtrodden? Well, no what? You know what? They have scared me when they've left their little kibber pieces around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they just, just fucking fall out of trees. <laughs> and then they're just like, <laughs> when you go outside with your cats on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Rocky and Meg last summer went out after one of the carapaces. And I was like, no, fucking don't touch that. Mother won't love you as much. <laughs> Um, okay, so there are two basic groups of cicadas. Yes. But there are like 140 different type of species. Sure. Okay. So they're... Yeah, kind of like grasshoppers. Correct. Annual cicadas have a life cycle of two to three years, mm-hmm. and they do not have synchronized life cycles. Right. Um sure, yeah. Common ones, for example, and these ones are common to indiana as well the southern grass cicada and the green wing cicada Mm -hmm. now periodical cicadas yeah those are the fun ones yeah they're gross they are from (laughs) the genus magic acadia (laughs) not a joke like you can look at it magic gotcha (laughs) magic acadia yeah, the only other way I can think of is like Magicicadia. Med- that'd be lame as fuck. Magicicadia. I don't know. But that'd yeah. be lame. That'd be lame as fuck. Science don't be lame. Um, <laughs> these have life cycles that are synchronized to either 13 or 17 years. So I'm sure that other Midwesterners remember the fucking disgusting... Oh, my God. SoundCloud that permeated (laughs) the night. I think it was last year, right? Or was it 2020? Yeah, one or two years ago. I don't remember. Oh, my God. It fits for 2020. (laughs) It probably was. I thought we were supposed to get locusts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, hey. 
if I look at my notes, the largest 17-year brood uh, was expected in 2021. So funny. Yeah. Um, there have been multiple 17 and 13 year broods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of them have been in Indiana. Yeah. I remember because, yeah, I heard like I remember hearing it was every seven years. Sure. I remember that. So like, yeah, that could just be like different broods if you will just coming around is it seven years again (laughs) has it been that long right measuring time and cicada awakenings (laughs) so um the 17 year cicada um it's very weird okay it lives underground for a period of time and Mm -hmm. then slowly develops while feasting on tree sap cool so Every cicada, just in case you didn't know, mm-hmm. every cicada lives underground and they emerge from underground. Gotcha. Fucking disgusting. <laughs> rocks. We're putting rocks in our backyard. <laughs> I will not harbor these fucking disgusting aliens. So every 17 years they emerge for once and they live for just a few weeks. But that's too many for me. <laughs> yep. And then um, they vanish and you know, hear from them again for a while. Yep. So, yeah, they literally don't serve a purpose. They, well, I'm sure bats love them. Are they better? Oh, we gotta get. We still have to get that bat box. <laughs> we still and put have it up. to get the bat box. Well, yep. we'll put it on the bat list. But yeah, no, they don't serve a purpose. Truly, um, they damage trees because they a suck sap, and they're usually in large quantities, mm-hmm. so like trees can die. And they also like use their stupid little legs to hook into leaves mm-hmm. and like rip them up and make them die and shit like that so oh they also shit all over your trees and whatnot so they kill your trees well i mean i'm sure they serve a purpose like not it maybe not in our modern but i mean you like for example like in dense foresty areas, uh, forests can get so overgrown that the trees' foliage, like that, form the top canopy, uh-huh, is uh-huh. so dense that the sunlight cannot get through. So sure. trees end up dying, uh, and then you something creates a forest fire, burns out all the dead wood, and then the forest starts anew with healthy soil. Will someone and, and come grow. gather these goddamn cicadas and take them to the bear? <laughs> but this so, mythical place. So when <laughs> this most of this country was actually lush, fertile land, I'm sure that, you know, there was similar Oof. situations of... Been a minute. Uh, ...of them actually serving a purpose to the life cycle of the ecosystem. Like... Uh, I'm sure that you're right, Samuel. I am just not willing <laughs> enough to give them that much credit. Sure. Because they're disgusting. <laughs> Cassie doesn't like ugly things. <laughs> I don't. And I don't like bugs either. I wish I... It, 
it's the noises they make. It's not the bug itself. It's the noises they make because (laughs) it hurts my ear that I am hard of hearing in and it makes me taste sound and I hate it. (laughs) All right. Are you ready for our next life cycle? Get it. All right. We're going to be talking about the fishes. Okay. All right. Fish are not really well known for their parenting skills. Sure. I mean, look at, I mean. The best one I can think uh, of is Marlin God from Finding Nemo. From Finding Nemo. Lost his kiddo real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So often the process for fish is that eggs are released, then sperm is released and fertilized. Yep. And then you're on your own, shorty. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, some species will defend their eggs and their young um, when it's too risky leaving them alone. But some others are more hands-on. Okay. Okay. These fish are known as mouth brooders. And they carry their eggs in their mouth until they hatch. And then often will keep their young in there afterwards. All right. Yep. So you can count on mom. (laughs) Just hanging out in her mouth. Uh, an example of a mouth brooder is the pearly jawfish. Okay. It is the father in this relationship that holds the mouth full of eggs uh, for the duration of their development. And he will be unable to feed himself until they hatch. Wow. Yes. And then another example is but he's able to eat again just in time for beach season right yeah for sure gotta get them gains right (laughs) african chichlids i think it is but i know that i've heard the name before Mm -hmm. i don't think it's that it's the c-i-c-h-l-i-d-s cichlids cichlids thank you should have asked before. I made an absolute <laughs> chitlet of myself. <laughs> what is it again? Cichlids. Cichlids. All right. African cichlids are maternal <laughs> mouth brooders. I almost said breathers. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking mouth breeders as you were going through it. Ew, gross. <laughs> oh, my God. The mothers go up to 36 days without feeding. Once the egg hatches, she will allow the young out to feed themselves, but then she can signal them to come back in for protection. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get me. Mom's mouth is cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, not even this helicopter parent can always protect their young. Sure. The cuckoo catfish attacks cichlids uh-huh. to get them to spit out their eggs while the mother... Cichlid. Cichlid. What the fuck? While the mother <laughs> cichlid is trying to gather them back up, the catfish deposits her own eggs among them. Oh. Yeah, the catfish eggs hatch more quickly than the cichlids. Oh, shit. And then they start eating the eggs in the mama cichlid mouth. And they to feed on the chit like eggs. Wow. 
fucking rough out there. Yeah, it's a it's a for a it's a doggy chichilin. dog world. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a fishy fish world. Yes. Alrighty, and uh, I do believe that this is my last one. It sure is. All right, the cuttlefish. Yes, I feel like I'm aware of this one, but yeah? I'm a little foggy, so please remind me. Okay, so cuttlefish are found in the oceans and the seas of Europe, Africa, Asia, and Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cuttlefish is characterized by its gas-filled internal cuttle bone, which actually provides buoyancy and control rather than protection. Right? Aren't they also bioluminescent, too? Some are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why. I think that's why I remember them. Uh, They have a long and relatively flat body. Jealous. A (laughs) parrot-like beak. Okay. (laughs) And long fins running along both sides. Okay. It also features... Almost kind of flatworm-ish. Yeah, but not as disgusting. <laughs> the cuttlefish also features eight arms and two tentacles containing a series of suction pads that are used to capture prey. Gotcha. The arms and tentacles can be withdrawn into two pouches at any time. The cuttlefish. Any? Oh, I said handy. <laughs> oh, handy. <laughs> I was like, any? I was like, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Cuttlefish are also one of the few animals that have multiple hearts. Sure. They have in total three. Lucky. Yeah. Now they are a cephalopod and they're um, a cousin of a a squid. Gotcha. So it's like a squid and an octopus had a baby. That makes sense. I mean, with them having the beak and the tentacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just kind of like, I feel like it's the more marine... Um, platypus. Just kind of like leftover <laughs> fucking parts. And they were like, mm, this will do. That's cute. Yeah. Could have been an amalgam of. <laughs> yes. It, people would have definitely like thought that this was like a P.T. Barnum like fucking sideshow <laughs> thing. Yeah, for sure. The impregnated cuttlefish uh, female deposits uh, 100 to 300 eggs at a time. All right. She'll do this on rocks, seaweed, and some other surfaces. Okay. She alone watches over the eggs until they hatch after a period of one to two months on average. Shortly after their duties are fulfilled, fulfilled, both the male and female cuttlefish die. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just watched over one to 300 eggs, and that's for a long period of time. That I would assume that's pretty exhausting. I would be pretty exhausted after watching a kid. I may just die. (laughs) (laughs) Cuttlefish reach sexual maturity after a period lasting up to 18 months. Okay. But their life expectancy is merely one to two years. Gotcha. However, they do get an early start as predators. Their eggs are transparent. And both their brains and their sophisticated eyes are well-developed long before they hatch. This allows the tiny baby tentacle monsters to carefully observe other animals. Gotcha. And science has shown that this period heavily influences their hunting styles and preferred prey 
for hmm. the duration of their lives. Huh. Yeah. So their brain kind of develops like ours. Uh, like uh, a- yeah. Uh, way closer to ours than some others. Sure. For sure. I guess I didn't write down how cuttlefish actually do it. Look it up. You tell me. <laughs> they, I, I assume that they, uh, you know, Netflix and chill. They are cuttlefish. <laughs> they just cuddle and they just. Would you like some of mine? Oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> that was how cuttlefish. Most of, I was going to say most of nature, as I understand, it, is not always so chill about Netflix to, and chill about it. About cuttlefish are for sure. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's it, Tit. Nice. Well, that was super, super interesting. Well, thanks. I kind of want to do more, you know, more things, but I, I got a couple of good yeah. resources for fish facts. Not fish facts. I mean, there are a couple of fish facts. But for animal facts, mm-hmm. um, Samuel, did you bring us a little something? Joe, I'd never come empty-handed. My mom ah, taught me better than that. Fabulous. All right. Are you ready to get this shit? I'm totally ready. All right. So today we are going to talk about Fiorello LaGuardia. <laughs> All right. Fiorello LaGuardia is most known for being the mayor of New York City. Yeah. Okay. okay. I... Thought I recognized that name. <laughs> All right. So Fiorello LaGuardia was born in Greenwich Village, excuse me, Greenwich Village, New York City on December 12th, 1882. Oof. His father was Achille LaGuardia. Mm. He was uh, native to uh, Italy. So he was Italian. Um, Salt Bay. Yep, he was Catholic, but he wasn't like a practicing Catholic. Super Catholic. Yeah, he wasn't crazy okay. about it. Um, his mother, Irene Lozado Cohen LaGuardia, mm-hmm. was a Jewish native of uh, Triet, Triet, a town in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Trieste, maybe. Sure. Um, that at the time was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Okay. Um, her grandmother, I'm sorry, uh, Fiorella's grandmother on his mom's side, uh, Fiorina Lozado Cohen, uh, was a member of the Lozado family, like a direct member of the Lozado family, mm-hmm. which was a prestigious Italian Jewish family of scholars, Kabbalists, and poets. Oh, all right. A little bit of everything. Yes. So his mother was definitely Jewish and she was a practicing Jew as well. Okay. Fiorello was raised Episcopalian. Oh, all right. <laughs> and practiced that religion his whole life. We don't care. Yeah. His uh, middle name, Enrico, was eventually um, like Englished up and changed to Henry. I that he could have had a way better name, <laughs> right? I mean, no hate. Uh, when he was young, his family moved to Arizona for his dad's job. Oh, was, oh, fuck! Yeah, he was the bandmaster for the U.S. Army um, oh. in, at the wherever base in Arizona. 
so he was educated a lot there, and then uh, towards the end of high school, he they ended up coming back to New York, and he graduated from a private school on the Upper West Side. Ooh, fancy. Yes. Now that he's graduated high school in 1901, LaGuardia joined the State Department and served uh, in the U.S. consulates in uh, Budapest, uh, Trieste, and Fume. Very nice. uh, Yeah, three different cities in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Very nice. Um, in 1906, he returned to the United States to continue his education at NYU. Mm-hmm. Uh, while studying at NYU from 1907 to 1910, he also worked for the Bureau of Immigration at Ellis Island, at the immigration station at Ellis oh. Island, and he worked as an interpreter uh, oh, because sure. LaGuardia was fluent in Italian because of his dad. Mm-hmm. Croatian because of his time at the consulates and Yiddish yeah. because of his mom. Wow. Yes. So he graduated from NYU School of Law in 1910 and was admitted to the bar the same year and began to practice Damn, law Gina. in New York City. Yeah. All right, fam. In 1914, the Guardia ran for a U.S. representative for... New York's 14th district, which includes like parts of Manhattan, including Greenwich Village, where he was born. Gotcha. Unfortunately, he was defeated by Michael F. Farley, Um, but he became deputy attorney general of New York in 1915. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Uh, in 1916, he challenged Farley again. This time he won. Right on. Yes. LaGuardia took office on March 4th of 1917, but was soon uh, sent overseas uh, when the U.S. got into involved in World War One. Whoa, I. what the fuck? He rose to the rank of major and commanded a, uh, a bombing squadron, like a squadron major of Mayor. bombers. The Caproni CA-44 uh, bombers uh, in the Italian-Austrian front. Wow. I assume they sent him there because like, he knew sure. most of the languages. He was probably more familiar with the area than most Americans mm-hmm. they would send over there. So I'm sure he was a great asset. Yeah, for sure. Um, he was re-elected to Congress in 1918 when he came back. Wow. In 1919, New York City Board of Aldermen uh, their president, Al Smith, resigned to become governor of New York. This triggered a special election. So LaGuardia decided that he was going to go out for that. I'm not super like it was very jargony when I looked up what that actual thing is. Yeah. I just know it's like kind of like a city hall, city hmm. government type of okay. thing. Anyway, so he won narrowly. Uh, because, like, one of the people running against him uh, was more, like, conservative and right-wing. And then they had, like, someone last minute, like, super conservative <laughs> oh. jump in who, like, pulled away votes from that guy. Mm. Uh, like, the more conservative guy uh, sure. asked the crazy dude not to jump in. But he did anyway. 
And then he ended up bowing out, but there was enough people that wrote him in. Yeah. Or no, I think they they did something to keep him out, but enough, he got his name out there enough to where like enough people wrote him in that sure. took away from that guy's votes and let LaGuardia uh, do that. So good deal. Uh, in 1921, he went, he uh, tried to become mayor and uh, did not win. Like he, he went as a Republican, but did not win the party nomination. Okay. Uh, and the Republican lost to the Democrat that he was running against. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. Not on the winning team. Uh, and then LaGuardia went back to Congress in 1922 uh, as a Republican. Uh, he won the seat in Harlem, which at the time was... Wow. Or East Harlem, which had a lot of um, an Italian population, mm-hmm. so that kind of helped him out. Um, and he served in the House of Representatives uh, from 1922 until 1933. Wow. Uh, he kind of got a reputation for being just a very flamboyant, very uh, demonstrative uh, representative who focused on reform. Um, uh, LaGuardia, reform. <laughs> LaGuardia sponsored... Uh, labor-friendly legislation and uh, also spoke against immigration quotas for oh. yeah um, his major legislation contribution was the Norris LaGuardia Act which he put together with Nebraska Senator George Norris in 1932 so towards the end of his uh Seat, yeah. seating <clears throat> as term, a, yeah, his life as a congressman. Um, this act uh, circumvented Supreme Court limitations on the activities of labor unions. The act, for, oh, for uh, quote, forbids issuance of injunctions to sustain anti union contracts of employment to prevent ceasing or refusing to perform any work or remain in any relation of employment or to restrain acts generally constituting component parts of strikes, boycotts, and picketing. So it also said that courts could no longer enforce yellow dog contracts, which I feel like we've talked about uh, a little bit on one or two of uh, my episode. So yellow dog contracts were you, if you were to take a job from this country, you or company, sorry, from a specific company, they were allowed to put a contract in their hiring process that said you will not join any type of organized labor movement. Oh, wow. So this act made it illegal for them to try to enforce those contracts. Wow. So then we moved on to, and I think we covered this in the Estelle Peterson um, mm-hmm. episode, but then they moved on to like company unions. Yes. But anyway, that I digress. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this essentially like there was Supreme court precedents that allowed companies to limit picketing or limit strikes or mm-hmm. other 
other type of behavior. And this law challenged all of that or, or gave until someone else, you know, comes along and takes this law to the Supreme Court and then they provide injunctions against that. Sure. But for the meantime, it opened up so much more to workers when it came to their rights of how to civilly uh, have leverage against the companies. Wonderful. Yes. Um, as a Republican, LaGuardia had to Warren Harding in 1920 while he was president and had to be uh, silent in the 1928 campaign, although he did favor Al Smith, who was a Democrat. Um, in 1929, LaGuardia ran for mayor once again. This time he received the Republican uh, nominee. nomination. Yeah. Uh, like won the primary, but lost to the uh, incumbent Jimmy Walker in a landslide. Jimmy Walker. So then during that term, Jimmy Walker and Tammany Hall were like, there was a huge scandal. Like Boss uh, Tweed, all this yeah. was like outed. And like there was a huge, huge uh, falling out. Um, yes. So... Uh, Jimmy Walker was forced out of office and LaGuardia was like bound and determined. He was like, I need to be mayor. So. Oh, wow. Yan yes, Jimmy. Right. Get out. So LaGuardia ran on the Fusion Party platform, which was supported by Republicans and more like reform minded Democrats and independents. So like he was pretty much like a centrist. Sure, sure. Uh, he, he appealed to multiple groups. Um, LaGuardia promised a more honest government, championing for greater efficiency and inclusiveness, uh, and he won. Wonderful. So LaGuardia's win was based on uh, like his appeal to a bunch of different people. Like He appealed to... Uh, mostly like middle class uh, German Americans on the mm -hmm. boroughs outside of Manhattan, um, minority or uh, reform friendly Democrats. Uh, he uh, also socialists were a big fan of him. Um, a large portion of middle class Jews and a great majority of Italians who up until recently were very loyal to like Tam Tammany Hall Democrats. Sure. So. LaGuardia came into office in January in 1934 with five main goals. Give one. me them five biscuits. <laughs> uh, one, restore the financial health and break free from bankers' control okay, uh, for New it. York City. Um, two, expand the federally funded work relief program for the unemployed. Love that. Um, and corruption in the government and racketeering in key sectors of the economy. I mean, good luck. <laughs> Replace patronage with a merit-based civil service with high prestige. And lastly, modernize the infrastructure, especially transportation and parks. Wow, smart. Mm -hmm. He achieved most of the first first, first four goals in his first hundred days. <laughs> okay. As FDR gave him 20% of the entire National Civil Works Administration budget for work relief. Whoa. 
Well, um, good. He should have gotten some <laughs> shit fucking figured out. <laughs> in 1935, a riot took place in Harlem, term which was given the name the Harlem Riot of 1935. Oh, wow. That Harlem Riot of 19... I already forgot it. Damn it. 35. 35. <laughs> it has been described as the first modern, quote unquote, race riot uh because it there was because it's mostly property damage instead of uh people uh that like were destroyed or harmed so that that's why it's like the quote-unquote modern sure um so during the riots laguardia and a guy named hubert delaney uh who was a, a black lawyer and civil rights activist uh, even back then, figurehead. yes, during the riots, they walked the streets and like actually out there with the people trying to calm the situation down wow. and quell it. Um, after the riots, LaGuardia convened the mayor's commission um, on conditions of Harlem to determine the causes of the riot and a detailed report was prepared. The report identified injustices of discrimination in employment, the aggression of the police, and racial segregation as conditions which led to the outbreak of rioting. However, unfortunately, the mayor shelved the committee's report and did not make it public. What the fuck? The report would be unknown except that a black newspaper, the New Amsterdam News, subsequently published it in serial form. Good. So LaGuardia, one of the, I think one of the reasons why he shelved the report is because like he was trying to make big moves and massive strokes uh, and yeah. to and to do that. I mean, he's also operating during the Great Depression sure. and trying to rebuild sure. New York City. Yeah. And, but to get everyone to cooperate like he was, you know, he, he had to work with the people who had power at sure. least a little you can't just thumb your nose at everybody but i mean you had a lot of high-powered wasps or white anglo-saxon protestants to deal yeah. with you also had a lot of uh, middle class and upper class jewish people um and the italians and germans like all four of those big groups of people liked him and so like you can't please everybody but we'll come back to it uh to where i think he did listen and i think he did learn from doing that whether he made the report public or not so he was he was not an orthodox republican uh he was also the nominee of the american labor party which was a socialist party (laughs) oh okay yeah yeah i people would flip their fucking wigs now yeah uh, they were a left-wing group that supported fdr uh, which who was a Democrat and mm-hmm. uh, he was obviously a Republican. Uh, LaGuardia also supported Roosevelt, uh, chairing the committee of independent voters for Ro- Roosevelt. Lit. And LaGuardia was also the city's first Italian American mayor. But wow. he was so he wasn't a typical Republican, nor was he typical uh, Italian New Yorker. Uh, he was a Republican. <laughs> he was Episcopalian and not Catholic. Uh, he had grown up in Arizona and had a Jewish mother and a dad who wasn't a practicing Catholic. 
<laughs> so not a typical Italian American sure. of yeah. the time. Yeah, 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 for sure. Back when he got his first seat in Congress in 1922, uh, the person running, one of the people running against him, his name was Henry Frank. Um, okay. Right. Two first who, names. Who was Jewish. He accused uh, LaGuardia of being anti-Semitic. Oh, damn. And said um, that LaGuardia being public about his mother being Jewish was just him politically being self-serving. Uh, who the fuck are you to say, man? So <laughs> LaGuardia spoke, like read aloud, a letter that he had written in Yiddish. Yes. And that he also had printed and distributed in Yiddish. In it, he challenged Henry Frank to publicly and openly debate the issues of the campaign entirely in Yiddish. Yes. <laughs> Frank, although he was Jewish, didn't know how to speak Yiddish. Oh, weird. <laughs> Sounds like Frank should keep his fucking filthy mouth shut uh so yeah so not your typical italian american mayor um so laguardia's 1933 campaign uh for mayor for Mm -hmm. mayor coincided with the rise of uh germany starting to be a shitbag yeah you'll have that and he supported a more anti-Nazi response while he was in office. Oh. Yes. He publicly supported groups that engaged in boycotts of German goods. Um, he spoke along Rabbi Stephen S. Wise, who was the president or leader of the American Jewish Congress. In 1935, LaGuardia caused almost an international incident when he denied a masseur license to a German immigrant stating that Germany had violated a treaty guaranteeing equal treatment of American professionals by discriminating against American Jews. Damn. <laughs> yeah, so he was... Sorry. Yeah. Fuck out of here. Like, I don't know if the German dude had cause to like in incur LaGuardia's wrath but he sure. was like whether you did. earned it or not he did and he made an example of him oh, fuck. to send a message that'll teach overseas. you to be fucking German you bitch like, yeah well I mean he, I think he I did it, it whether the dude deserved it or not I think he did it to say like this is happening a lot over there yeah and it's equally as unfair but they're doing it on a much much larger scale sure um, threats came from Germany, uh, including a bomb threat against uh, New York City's German consulate. What the <laughs> fuck? Mind your business. Uh, LaGuardia can, like, did not stop. He continued to denounce Nazism. Got a bit of mouth. Get a, got a bit of a mouth on him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was only like five foot two. Like he was a very no, sounds about right. <laughs> and they called him Little Flower because no! he was. I mean, it's an affectionate nickname from the citizens in New York, but they called him Little Flower because he's only five foot two, and he always wore a carnation pinned to his lapel. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> 
So yeah, no, he uh, never toned down his anti-Nazism when he was uh, running for his second term. Uh, In 1937, he spoke uh, in front of the Women's Division of the American Jewish Congress, and he said that for the upcoming World's Fair in New York, they should make a special pavilion for, quote, a chamber of horrors for that brown-shirted fanatic. (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> he also led anti-Nazi rallies, and um, he also promoted legislation uh, to facilitate and, and organize U.S. rescue of Jewish refugees. Wow! Um, he also appointed more racially and religious diverse judges to various New York courts, which was unheard of yeah and probably his biggest weapon or stick to against nazism here like those like sympathizers and supporters of the ideology here yeah 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 i mean lord knows that sympathizers and whatnot made it over here yeah so these appointments included uh rosalie low i'm sorry rosalie low whitney um herbert o'brien Jane Bolin and Hubert Thomas Delaney, who was the lawyer and activist that he walked the streets with during the 1935 riots. So in my opinion, I don't think he felt that publishing or making public the results of that report would have, I think he felt it would have fallen on deaf ears. Sure. But I think he heard and, and listened and learn from it, even just yeah, seeing being on the streets, seeing what was going on with the situation, which is why he had them look into it in the first place. But I'm sure he also read the more detailed uh, notes of that report, yes, to see what he could do to make it better, whether or not he was able to make that report public or not. Uh, that makes sense. You're not used to politicians doing that. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I don't think there's been one in my lifetime. Hopefully no. I'm wrong, but I can't think of one. Yeah. LaGuardia criticized gangsters and the mafia uh, because he felt they brought a negative stereotype and shame to the Italian community. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... I had a client who they were from New Jersey and they were Italian, like they're Mm -hmm. very Italian and they drove a Lincoln and she was like, my son came home the other day and told me that more than 20 kids asked him if we were in the mob (laughs) because they're Italian and they drove a Lincoln. That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Like in 2010. (laughs) Oh, I mean, so his so he doesn't like mobsters and gangsters. His first action as mayor was to order the chief of police to arrest the mob boss, Lucky Luciano. Oh, fuck. On whatever charges could be found. (laughs) Oh, my God. Go plant some dope on him. (laughs) Like whatever you got. Let's see what we can throw at the wall. Let's see what sticks. Oh, my he then went after all gangsters, like starting, uh, stating in a radio address to the people of New York. 
Hey, in- see, we're coming after you, see. <laughs> I mean, he did have a very distinct voice that people knew him for. Oh, Lord. Uh, he said, quote, let's drive the bums out of town. Yeah. <laughs> I and like that. Bring a broom, because it's, it's a mess. mess. Yeah. In 1934, so still the first year of his mayor, uh, mayorship, um, he went on a search and destroy mission looking for a bunch of slot machines owned by the mob boss, Frank Costello. Oh, shit. Just going up to smash some fucking machines. You say smash. <laughs> He rounded up thousands of these slot machines and fucking took a sledgehammer and busted a few up before he dumped them off a large, large barge that I could have written those notes better. A large barge, <laughs> marge, damn it, large marge barge uh, <laughs> into the water. I mean, so okay, like, so. He was about big swings and yeah, big stunts uh, yeah, I to mean, get his points across. <laughs> I mean, we get it, but like... So, in 1935... I wonder if we can find one. In his second year... That's funny. Thank you. <laughs> in 1935, in his second year of mayor, LaGuardia appeared at the Bronx Terminal Market to institute a citywide ban on the sale, display, and possession of baby artichokes. The baby artichokes? Yes. So. (laughs) I I don't think I've ever bought an adult artichoke. (laughs) Well, baby artichokes are like harvested. I'm an adult (laughs) artichoke. They're harvested earlier when they're uh, like smaller, but it has to do with like the oil that comes out of them. That's um, cool. You going to fucking just take a baby like that? But they were like they were nicer. They are higher priced, and sure. the um, you can sacrifice them. The growers, the harvesters, the like they were strong armed by the mafia, oh. and so they were forced to sell. Like the growers were forced to sell to the mafia for super cheap, and then the mafia would uh, then inflate the shit out of the cost. Of course. Before uh, to sell to wholesalers and vendors, uh, who then had to inflate the cost even more to make yep. any kind of profit. Absolutely. So, but Italians like it's been it was they've been using baby artichokes for like family recipes for like decades. Wow. Before the mob took control of it, and so like it was a staple in a lot of sure. Italian American cooking. At the time, so, you know, like, it was, it's like, you you know, if you were to do the same thing with, like, milk here, obviously not to the same scale, but it's not something that you go, oh, we'll just stop buying milk, or, oh, just stop buying. No, I'm not going (laughs) to. Go without that, yeah. Right. So, this lasted for three days. Oh, oh, okay. But that's all it took for the prices to go down. Uh, nice. because the mafia realized okay so we can't do that anymore yeah oh my god he's real serious mm-hmm. guys i don't know what that was god. <laughs> in 1936 laguardia had special prosecutor thomas e dewey, Get him dewey. single out lucky luciano for prosecution 
Um, he led a successful investigation into Luciano had like a huge prostitution ring. Yes. And uh, Lucci's so- hoochies. <laughs> So he was eventually able to send Luciano to jail with a 30 to 50 year sentence. Oh, baby. This, uh, fun fact, this case was made into a movie uh, in 1937 called uh, Marked Woman, and it starred Betty Davis. Wow. LaGuardia's admirers credit him with among other things, restoring the economy of New York City during and after the Great Depression. Um, He is given credit for many massive public work programs um, with the help of his commissioner of the Parks Department, Robert Moses. They both lobbied relentlessly for federal funds uh, to allow New York to develop, redevelop its economic infrastructure. Um, so like in the Midwest, we know of like the New Deal programs. One of the biggest ones we sure. know of is like the TVA, the Tennessee Valley uh, Authority Administration. Anyway. Um, yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> but that was one of the bigger ones in the Midwest. The, um, they had in New York, they had the CWA, the PWA and the WPA, all three of which they got all three of those to pour money into New York, totaling up to $1.1 billion for the city between 1934 and 1939. Wow. But he was also able to turn New York City into like the poster child uh, for, for the New Deal for FDR. Sure. And be like, hey, this stuff is working. Yeah. You know? Because, I mean, FDR did get a lot of flack for trying to propose the New Deal and doing all these things. Uh, There was a lot of people who were like, ah, it's socialism. It's not a good idea. This isn't going to work. But LaGuardia was able to be like, no, it's working over here. (laughs) Take a look. So, I mean, FDR also got something out of it, too, to have an example to showcase. Oh, yeah. Golden, Golden boy. Yeah. So LaGuardia and Moses together had... A lot of shit built, including highways, bridges, and tunnels, completely nice. transforming the landscape of New York City. Of the things they had built includes the West Side Highway, um, East River Drive, Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, tunnel, and which I think that's the one in uh, the first Men in Black. Oh, but I could where be he drives on the uh, top on the, the t- ceiling, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Triborough Bridge. And the two municipal airports in New York uh, that one eventually was named after him. Good. He didn't like build it and name it after himself. I call while it this was being man. Built. Well, he definitely wouldn't have named it after himself if he knew the <laughs> reputation it fucking had. <laughs> well, I mean, you have JFK Airport and then you have LaGuardia, which is, you know, in Queens. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Go to JFK. (laughs) LaGuardia was also a supporter of the Ives Quinn law, which is, quote, a law that would ban discrimination in employment on the basis of race, creed, color, or nation of origin. Wow. Love that. Right. And created a new agency 
which was the New York State Commission Against Discrimination. Uh, wow. Uh, with education and enforcement. Uh, the bill passed in 1945, and it made New York the first state in the country to create an agency with the job of handling employment discrimination complaints. What? Really? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, granted, and I mean, this, is, this is still between 15 and 25 years before the like huge bulk of the civil rights movement. Yeah. Yeah. Twas um, the precursor. Yeah. Uh, during World War II, uh, FDR appointed him to do some work for the UN. <laughs> and so, like, he did both jobs. Like, he would spend wow. three days in Washington and, like, four days in New York City uh, to try to <laughs> handle both jobs. Woof. Um, while he was doing this, um, during World War II, LaGuardia's sister, uh, who was a writer, her name was Gemma LaGuardia, LaGuardia Gluck, oh. um, and his brother-in-law, Herman Gluck, they were living in Hungary, and they were arrested by the Gestapo. Oh, my God. They tried to... It's a long story. They tried to leverage her as a prisoner, and then... Oh they abandoned the camp that she was at uh, as the Russians were invading, but the what Russians... What the fuck? Yeah, the Russians didn't treat women uh, r- respectfully uh, yeah, when they no, liberated them from camps. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, she When she was liberated... Uh, she found out that her husband had passed away while he was in a different camp. Um, and so she's in Russia and doesn't speak Russian. So it Great. took her a minute to like get in touch and get word to America. And when she was able to get in touch with Americans, they contacted the Guardia, uh, who was unable to locate her or his brother-in-law since their disappearance. Oh, he had no idea. my God. He worked to get them on the immigration list, but he asserted in a letter that Gemma included in her memoir that, uh, quote, her case was the same as that of hundreds of thousands of displaced people End quote. And, quote, no exceptions can be made. End quote. Oh, my God. So, like, he could have used his... Like, he is literally, like, pretty much other than... Wow. That takes a, a lot. Yeah. Like, when FDR first met Winston Churchill, he was... He was like, oh, it's like an English LaGuardia. Oh, wow. Like, And you know how FDR and Churchill were yeah. buddies. Like, yeah. LaGuardia is a man who FDR really, really respected. So he could have taken all of that power and he could have had her found. He could have yeah. done all this. But he understood that there are hundreds of thousands of people and I'm no more special. Or my sister. Sure. This sucks. 
This fucking sucks. But it doesn't suck more for me than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So it took two years to get her to be cleared and sent to the U.S. Oh, that's amazing that she was still found. And yeah. Um, let's see here. And they never had Thanksgiving together again. <laughs> I mean, because she, well, uh, that's, that's actually accurate. Oh. Uh, in May of 1947 is when she returned to New York, where she was reunited with her brother only four months before he passed away. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, he uh, passed away of pancreatic cancer. Oh, son of a bitchin'. And he was unable to make provisions for her, so she lived the remainder of her life in a very reduced circumstances in a public housing project in Queens until she passed in 1962. What? That's unbelievably sad. So, remembering his legacy um, as a Congressman LaGuardia was tireless and uh, super vocal about being progressive. Yeah. uh, Including relaxing restrictions on immigration. Um, He also um, advocated for the removal of troops from Nicaragua uh, back in the early 30s, which Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother thing. Um, Another thing? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he spoke up for the rights of uh, miners and other uh, striking labor forces, um, impoverished farmers, oppressed minorities, um, pretty much anybody that had to struggle daily. He was like, hey, man, can we talk about this? Uh, one of his famous quotes is, there's neither a Republican nor Democratic way to sweep. I damn, <laughs> damn, but bring a broom because it's <laughs> a mess. Uh, wow. In domestic policies, he tended towards socialism and wanted to nationalize and regulate uh, most things. Um, however, he was never wanted to be affiliated with the Socialist Party and it had never bothered to read Karl Marx. So he's. Oh, not- well. It's not like he was indoctrinating himself yeah, in their man. literature or their ideologies or, or using. He's like, this just their makes posi- sense. Yeah, this just makes sense. Hey. Sounds like a good plan. To try to be good to as many people as we can. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that bugs me about, like, uh, politicians today. Like, you do realize that if you did. Like, most politicians promise, or actually not so much anymore, but for a very long time, like, mm-hmm. politicians promised things that made sense and were good things, and then never fucking did them. And I'm yeah. just like, if you just took your tail out from between your legs and actually did one or two of the things that you promised during yeah. your campaign, yes. you would go down in history as, like, the best fucking president Coolest, ever. grooviest <laughs> president ever, dude. So, yeah, he died of pancreatic cancer on September 20th, 1947. Oh. 
and is now at Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx. Very nice. Um, sorry, that my notes got a little out of order. Um, some anecdotal stories about uh, yes. LaGuardia. Um, he was known to take entire orphanages out to baseball games. Uh, when the New York newspapers went on strike, uh, he got on the radio and read the sun- Sunday comic strips to uh, for- so kids could hear them. Oh, that's fucking adorable. Uh, on a very cold night in January of 1935, LaGuardia turned up at a night court. This court served one of the poorest parts of the city. Uh, LaGuardia dismissed the judge for the evening and took over the bench himself. Uh, can he do that? Yes. Uh, well, because he is a judge as well. Uh, oh, oh I, yeah. Because, or, I don't know, he fucking did it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, a few minutes later, a tattered old woman... Uh, was brought in front of him and she was charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told the mayor that her husband had deserted her and her daughter, uh, that her daughter was sick and she also had two grandchildren to take care of. Holy shit. The shopkeeper who she stole the bread from uh, refused to drop the charges. What ass? Quote, it's a really bad neighborhood, your honor, end quote. Also, quote, she's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson, end quote. Oh. Mayor LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, quote, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. Ten dollars or ten days in jail, end quote. Even as he was like giving her the sentence he was reaching into his pocket oh my god (laughs) pulled out a ten dollar bill and tossed it into the hat that he always wore he proclaimed quote here's the ten dollar fine which i now remit and furthermore i'm going to find everyone in the courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat mr bailiff collect the fines and give them to the defendant end quote Oh, my God. The following day, New York City newspapers reported on the incident. A bewildered woman who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren received $47.50. The grocery store owner himself contributed 50 cents to that amount. Furthermore, some 70 petty criminals being uh, people with traffic violations and New York City policemen participated, each of whom had just paid 50 cents for the privilege of doing so. They gave the mayor a standing ovation. Well, I oh, that's. Yup, that's amazing. Uh, Someone beautifully said, quote, sympathy sees and says, I'm sorry compassion sees and says i'll help when we learn the difference we can make a difference just like mayor fiorello laguardia oh my god that's absolutely correct what an amazing fucking story dude yeah uh thank you so much i uh, did not know that there was such a rich and kind history 
Yeah, I figured in this time, which I mean, I feel like applies to most recent years, but currently in a time of what we feel is political turmoil, it's nice to know that there was at least one political figure who gave a shit. Yeah, or at the very least, was really good at faking it, even if he didn't give a shit. You know yeah, what I mean? No like, kidding. if you as- try to ascribe political and ulterior and self-serving motiv- motives to everything he did, even if you can make that argument, he did a really good job of benefiting other people while himself. I, absolutely, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But I personally believe that he gave a shit. He saw things that weren't okay and tried to fix it. Yeah, I that's what it sounds like. And we could use more people like him in yeah. uh, places like his. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> well, thanks again for that, dude. Yeah. That was absolutely um, needed and heartwarming. Yeah, I actually started out. I was going to talk about when he did the ban on artichokes and do like a full thing about the artichoke wars. And then I was like, well, I should probably talk about this dude. And the more and more that I just, because I knew the name and I knew he was Mm -hmm. a mayor, but the more and more I researched him, the more I was like, I should be talking about just this guy. (laughs) That's what's up. That's how a lot of subjects for Mm -hmm. me uh, manifest. Well, all right. I think that uh, leads us to get that shit. Yeah. All right. I have, like I said, a uh, first-hand account of shit you should get. The uh, wonderful boutique that I purchased my adorable bag at is Variety Row Boutique. They are a uh, feminine clothing store And they have all sorts of stuff. They've got cute shirts, pants. They've got the rompers, accessories, (laughs) all of that. And uh, I got my bag for 50 Uh, bucks. It was less than 50. Less than 50. It was between 40 and 50. Between, yeah. I can't remember because I wasn't going to buy it because I was like, oh, well. And Sam was so sweet and. He said, well, you've mentioned that you wanted a little book baggy thing here for a while and you really like it. So you need something to carry around stuff at the fair. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a beautiful camel cognac color and it's a little bit bigger backpack because I don't want to look like straight up like Dora (laughs) with a tiny backpack on. So it has a little bit more. You know, yeah, but I mean, it's still cute. It's not like full size, like yeah. Jan Sport. <laughs> it's def- it is not my Lisa Frank uh, rainbow oh, cheetah Jan Sport, <laughs> which I have. It's my traveling backpack. But yeah, so uh, make sure you guys head over to Variety Row Boutique on Instagram. And you can also throw a dot com after that mm-hmm. and go to their full website. Alrighty, Sammy. I think that uh, wraps us up. Unless you've got anything, I got nothing. Any I'm more shits of, to take? I'm, I'm all out of shits to take. You're all, <laughs> you're all cleaned out. 
good to know. You're all out of shits to give, too. You're all out of shits to give. Well, (laughs) hell. Then we got to (laughs) go. While you're shopping for your new summer backpack and other treasures, make sure that we are in your earballs. You can find all of our different streaming platforms, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, on our Instagram bio at GTS underscore podcast. And while you're there, make sure you like, follow, subscribe so we can continue to grow our shit. Check out our link tree to find our website, episode resources, and much, much more. You can always holler at us if you have a small business you want to hype or a topic you don't want to do homework on at GTS with Kaylee and Cassie at gmail.com. All right. I think that uh, does it. Cool. You do. You cool, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I I cool, dude. You cool, dude. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to go eat some sushi. So love and light. Bye. Bye.